Hi, welcome to the Plus Up podcast brought to you by Media Plus Advisors. I'm Susan George, one of the partners at Media Plus Advisors, and I'm here today with my two partners, Carly Feinstein and Perry Ann Grignon. Hi, ladies. Hey, Susan. Uh, we are continuing to bring on guests who focus on elevating the media and marketing ecosystem. And with that, I will turn it over to Perry Ann to introduce today's guest. Thanks, Susan. Hi, it's Perry Ann. Um, exciting day today because we have Tom Cotton here. And Tom Cotton's been a friend, a colleague, a mentor of mine for longer than we probably want to count. And when we first started doing podcasts for Media Plus Advisors, you know, we were obviously focused on what we do, which is media um, and all of the, the issues and, and, and stuff that surrounds it, whether that be like, you know, you know, ad tech issues and brand safety and, you know, uh, legal and transparency issues um, and how marketers' expectations have changed since 2020. But you know what we haven't covered? We haven't covered anything really about brands. And Tom is the quintessential brand marketer. He has led massive and important brands um, into great success in building market share and establishing, you know, who they are um, and doing it in, I'm going to like speak to this a little later, kind of a blend of uh, art and science. So uh, Tom Cotton, um, say hello, talk a little bit about your background, uh, the firm uh, that you founded and, and lead now, um, and uh, say hello. Perry Ann, thank you so much. And Susan and Carly, thank you guys too. Uh, it's very fun to be here. Um, and you calling me a mentor, Perry, and I would uh, reverse that when it comes to my media education. Um, you have been super helpful to me for many, many years. So I, I appreciate that. I, um, I spent 25 years in the large agency world, uh, Backer and Spielvogel, and then JWT and FCB and DDB. And then for the last 15 years, I've had my own shops, uh, had agencies in Los Angeles and in New York. And I'm now in my third life uh, with my consultancy, Tom Cotton Co. I'm in my third year of this business. Um, and Tom Cotton Co. is about consulting, sort of the, the meat and potatoes of consulting with clients and agencies, but also collaboration and finally coaching. Um, the older I am in this business, and for me, I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm supposed to be long dead in this business. I, I'm having so much fun in the business because it's more and more about people and how we're handling this fast-moving environment, not just the technicals of media and branding and research. So the consulting part is really fun and the research, but helping the teams across the villages that it takes to get a brand off the ground and build it, that's getting more complex and more difficult right now for a lot of clients and then individual coaching of leaders who have got a lot to handle because this is a really, really intense time in the business. Margins are tight at agencies and clients, competition's exploding. And then there's just a whole bunch of new disciplines that everybody's got to add on to their daily life. Um, so it, it adds up to a, a tricky time, but also just a super fun time because we all have to learn more every year and take on more. It isn't like new disciplines come in and we drop them. It's just additive all the time, all the new stuff that we all have to learn. So it's a, it's a really fun place for me and the time of my life to be working with some great people um, and helping them with whatever that combination of 
coaching or collaboration help or just the pure consulting and research around brands. So it's a fun time as crazy as it is. I'm really enjoying it. Well, that's great. Well, you know, if the 20s are going to be known as the decade for the pivot for brands, how do you think client brand leaders are accomplishing this so far? And are they meeting their own expectations? <laughs> the 20s, you know, I've, I've never, I, you know, I've it's never so thought funny. about it's, what it we're in right now. It feels weird saying that. Yeah, it feels weird yeah. saying that. Yeah, it actually, it has a nice ring to it of optimism. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, will it be roaring 20s or boring 20s? <laughs> I, I have a feeling it's going to be more roaring and I hope. <laughs> probably in ways that we have not anticipated. Like here we are, what are we, one and a half years into it. And the last year has been the most unexpected, mind-blowing thing in the world. Not only in just our lives with our parents and kids and just real life and school, but what we do for a living in brand building and, and media. It's explosive change. So if you'd asked me that question 18 months ago, you know, it might might have been, yeah, you know, it's, it's new stuff going on and there are challenges, but this year it's just quantum leap of challenge, no matter what industry you're in. Some have grown, some have been crushed, but everybody is having to deal with just exponential change. Um, which has made what I'm doing in, in particular fascinating because it's, <laughs> this is really challenging. Um, pivoting, um, that's almost, that's almost an understatement right now and, and how, and how everybody's having to work. You know, I grew up in the business where clients had two feet on the ground and they could make a little 10% uh, tweak on what they did last year. Maybe they go do 10% better and that's fine. And let's go to lunch. Um, man, is that over? Um, just that the think about e-commerce, what's happened this year with e-commerce, that there are categories that even a year ago who thought, nah, you know, I'm in package goods. I don't really have to worry about e-commerce. Oh, yes, you do. And so I've got clients who have made fundamental go-to-market changes and had to pivot to now add a whole layer of e-commerce, go-to-market, learning, new agencies, new practice, new everything. Um, if you haven't pivoted this year, you're already pushing up daisies. I mean, that's, you're done. So are our clients generally satisfied or I don't know exactly what you asked, but I, I don't know anybody who feels like they are caught up, that they are on top of what metrics now mean. Uh, do I really have an accountable program? Is Where do I find attribution in, in my media, my go-to-market? All of those, I think anybody who thinks they're satisfied and are on top of it all, I'd love to meet them because I kind of doubt they're out there. <laughs> You know, it's amazing, Tom, the, isn't it? Deluding themselves. Yeah. Isn't it, though? It's kind of like if you haven't figured it out, you know, it's <clears throat> you have to, you're not going to get the time to retool, you know? You're not going to get the time. You're, you're, you've just got to, um, you know, reinvent as fast as you can and kind of leapfrog over your mistakes. You know, what I find really interesting about the last six months is the level of creativity I've seen out there. You know, I love advertising as, yep. as an art form. And some of the creativity is just outstanding. I mean, Susan and Carly and I like pass back, you know, like, you know, notes on our, on our Microsoft Teams, you know, about, you know, things that we think are interesting about, you know, what clients are doing. And it's pretty amazing and impressive about what's going on. So, you know, on one hand, you have the art, right? 
of marketing and advertising, right. which we all love. I mean, that's why we're in the business. And then the other end of it, you know, you got the science part. And the science part has had, you know, a, a big, um, you know, kind of like day in the sun, you know, a lot of MarTech and ad tech and data and, you know, all of the, the stuff that comes with building your stack. So where do you think brand marketers are right now, for the most part, on that pendulum between the art and science of building and maintaining a successful brand? The most successful clients take both equally seriously, but I think under the pressure that a lot of clients are under right now, um, it's easier for either the art side of it to fall or for the science part of it to fall. Let's take the art side, for example. Um, with the amount of justifiable pressure on attribution and return on ad spend, there can be an over an overemphasis on just just looking at those numbers and forgetting that, wait a minute, the stimulus that goes out to start the engine on ROAS is incredibly important. Creative isn't generic that just now drives a certain return. I think we, we would all accept that a brilliant creative breakthrough on a brand is going to be a bigger lever on that brand than any tweak to the media mix. The other side of that equation is uh, if you just are saying, no, I'm just looking for the next home run idea creatively, while not looking now at doing your best, it'll never be perfect, but doing your best to understand attribution, return, the interplay of the different media, that's also a problem. So th this is ultimately the challenge. And the higher you go on the ladder on the client side, the more comfortable you've got to be with the right and left side of your brain and the process. You know, I, I, Perry Ann, you're an unbelievably talented watercolorist. I've, I've been a passionate, if not a, as talented photographer for over 50 years. I've, I really believe that having some kind of creative passion for people who are running brands and advising people on building brands is important. If I was a CMO and I had a job open and it came down to two candidates for that job, and it was a toss-up, if one of them had a creative passion that they've been nurturing, that's who I'd pick. Because I don't think creative is something you outsource somewhere. I came up in the business at a time where there'd be clients who are kind of proud of their lack of creativity. No, no, I'm, I'm a numbers person. I'm all about the analytics and the research. You know, other people do that. That's a luxury I don't think anybody can afford anymore. Um, clients should have real confidence based on a track record of their own creativity in order to make the best decisions about creative. It's so, so funny you should say that. I used to, um, being a media person, when I spoke with the younger generation that came in and I was interviewing them and they told me they didn't watch TV. <laughs> what are you really? doing in the media business if you don't watch TV? <laughs> yeah, no, that that's, that's just such a great point. It's like um, you had better be understanding even so people in their 60s like me uh, still involved. You better be active on social media. You may not need to be active on TikTok 24 hours a day, but you, you better not just be reading about it in journals. You need to have some exposure. Um, yes, you need to be watching some network television, 
and have your fingers on streaming because now over the top is so critical to all of our lives. Um, it, it, it goes back to the old the old thing. So a hundred years ago, there was newspapers. Then you know, radio comes in. Oh my God, that's going to obviate newspapers. Then TV is going to kill radio, and then the internet's going to kill all the rest. No, it's just additive. We all have to be playing four dimensional chess now. It's the, the the mix. It's almost an archaic term, a media mix. No, it's this media matrix. You know, how do we work with all of these pieces creatively and have them? feed each other but be able to read how they feed each other so it's, and, it's and creativity measured but in a new way right. yeah and address the message i feel like we we see that all the time marketers sometimes don't think about that that the the vehicle doesn't always work that same message or how it's told so yeah, i was just is, thinking that's, um that's, tiktok that's, talking about that that's like become my new like almost favorite TV show. Like I can sit there for 30 minutes at a time, like in the morning when I wake up and I'm just like going, it, it's it's crazy. And I that's exactly how I think about it. And that's, I'm just sitting there like watching something. And Susan, I we haven't, I can't believe we haven't talked about that because Mark yeah. and I, my husband and I, we call it, oh, did you slip into the, the TikTok vortex again? Because <laughs> we do all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden we'll just be, laughing right <laughs> looking right. at each other like we're crazy but i'm not watching these teenage dance things i'm watching no. you know mostly dogs doing well, funny things i'm watching a lot of things yeah. but it's amazing how often i find myself going to amazon because i've got so many things like here's something you do or don't need from amazon and i'm like and i'll see like five of them and then my cart is like how did 500 end up in my cart do i need this do i am i gonna am i gonna actually buy this or yeah, well, I, I, lo I love this because it, so I, as a photographer, I'm an Instagram focused person, but it is amazing just in the last couple of months, TikTok has now been imported into Instagram, which mm -hmm. of course makes Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg very happy because they basically said, oh, that's cool. We'll, we'll incorporate that. And they're getting a lot of eyeballs with people's exported TikTok into Instagram. I mean, yeah. the whole thing is so wild. But to your point, the ability, whatever your favorite is, we also have to be on top of pop culture as people in the brand building business. And that's just, it's a great way to get your executive summary in a half an hour in the morning of what the heck's going on out there in the world. Um, true. You know, another thing that, that you made me think of, if you did a pop quiz today with a hundred brand marketers and said, what does innovation mean? I would bet you that 80 plus percent would say, oh, new products, that's innovation. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I try to impress upon people is that's actually, I'd give you an F on that. Innovation needs to be in media and marketing and channels as much as it is in new products. Frankly, maybe develop fewer new products and put more innovation into how to go to market with the products you've got and your ultimate ROI may be better. And I'm involved in innovation and new products in multiple categories every day. I love new product innovation. You have to have that. But innovation is often connected to that and not in media and marketing and branding innovation. And that's just super important right now. Absolutely. Well, let's shift for a second to what agencies are concerned with right now. Is there even such a thing as standard services or a typical timeline for production? Like how are agencies keeping up and how are they building new services? 
So you said, what are agencies concerned with right now at the start of that question? Yes. Yeah, I would say uh, survival, uh, truly. Uh, the bigger you are as an agency, the nastier the world can be right now. Because the, the old, the old, there were generations of where agencies grew on the 15% increase in media costs every year. They were at 15% commission. I mean, these agencies were printing money and that, that is so over. So if you're a large agency scrambling for small pieces of new business, having to feed the holding company over you and take care of your clients and your it's it's a that's a really tough business right now. And I think more clients are understanding the pressure, particularly that the larger agencies are under from a financial standpoint, because a lot of the servicing isn't as good as it used to be because the margins have been squeezed and the talent is therefore more junior. It's been a pretty tough cycle for a while. I believe that has led a lot of smarter clients, even though it's more work, to now not think about AOR anymore, particularly on the on the creative side of the business. It's a lot easier and frankly smarter for a lot of advertisers to think about media AORs with the scale and even you know some of the biggest ones They've got their issues, but when it comes to the creative side, it's you're probably going to do better if you can take it, splitting up the tasks. Um, for example, I work with a, a fabulous OTC pharma company, and we dove in, really locked pinkies, and said, we're going to change our go-to-market strategy. We're going to be in brick and mortar, but we're going to make a real commitment to digital, to e-commerce, our own sites by brand as well as Amazon. We hired an Amazon specialist agency because we knew what we didn't know. We didn't know anything. We had to fire that agency in under a year and step up to a better agency. We, we just had to. The learning curve is so quick. It's not like, well, they'll figure it out yet next year. No, actually, they weren't going to. So we had to move on. Um, but we've got, we have to have a specific major agency that does nothing but Amazon in order to handle that world because it is an entirely new world. It's and amazing, had, isn't it? Well, wow, just, yeah. just Amazon, yeah. just Amazon. Yeah. That yeah. massive, massive channel coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. It's an entirely new business that to my earlier point is just a clip on into what we used to do. It's not a, it's not a channel difference. No, it's, in, we have a, a separate business and the object of dealing with Amazon is very well known. We don't have to get into it. It's very tough sledding. They hold all the cards and like it or lump it. Um, so you got to learn how to work within that and be able to make money there. And that's tricky when you start. We're a lot better at it now, but it's been that's been a five-year learning curve. I look at the stats about how e-commerce has basically leapt forward five to seven years when you look at what McKinsey and BCG have said about it. I, that's what I just lived through with my pharma client. We just had to do five to seven years in a year to get on top of it as much as we can be. We still have a ton to learn. One, yeah. one of the things that we've all seen is that in the past year or so, expectations are, are changing, right? So how you're doing, whether you're an agency, a, you know, a tech partner, um, you, know, um, you know, rooted in creative, is all based on what your clients' expectations are, right? And so, yeah. you know, 
my question is really about when you talk to brand marketers today, what are their expectations around hiring, um, you know, media agencies? You know, do they do they think that media agencies are going to cure every single ill that they've ever had on their brands, or do they go into it, you know, more eyes wide open and say, um, you know, this is this is kind of like a tough road? I'd be interested to hear how the clients that you work with are really, you know, setting expectations for for those media partnerships. I, I, one rule of thumb that's I think more accurate than not is the older and more experienced a client is, the more they may believe that one media AOR will solve everything. And just the younger a lot of clients are, the more they are willing to accept an a la carte approach to say there's, I've got to hire an Amazon specialist, not somebody who says, oh yeah, I can do that too. No, no, no. That's another planet. We got to go learn how to breathe, live, walk, on. So I, I would advise, you know, folks who've been around 20, 30, much less 40 years, um, be prepared and be ready to accept that an AOR conceptually or in reality just may not be appropriate anymore. There's just too much specialization going on, too much that you've got to be the generalist, but that doesn't mean you hire another generalist. You may really have to accept that you've got to hire some specialists people, agencies, disciplines. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, from a consumer perspective, when we've talked about some of this, you know, 20 and 21 have been really interesting seeing how older brands have been positioning or repositioning themselves. And then there's all sorts of new brands appearing. So so what's your viewpoint on how uh, marketers are doing with these refreshes and new products at this point? You know, it's funny you ask because we, uh, my client, my pharma client, DSE Healthcare out in New Jersey, they specialize in purchasing and building brands that have been out there and dusty for a while. And they're not one of these, you know, churn it and flip it. They buy these brands and we take them for the long term. Vanquish is a brand that we took on. So uh, 50 year uh, headache relief, very close to the formula of Excedrin. They both came out in the early 60s. And uh, so we had a miracle with the, the uh, trademark office and we were able to trademark digital headache for Vanquish. And we then launched a, a new product called Vanquish Digital Headache. Um, new package, a, 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 an application that's relevant for millennials and Gen X um, and launched this and were shocked that the base consumer buying the original Vanquish in a different package at brick and mortar totally thrilled by this and is going to brick and mortar to buy the old package, much less also people in their 70s buying this new one. We were completely surprised. And we had done research and none of that we anticipated. So it's just, and this this is a nice case where it's actually worked out well for us, but um, I do a ton of consumer research and the older I get, the more I am only there to be able to ask the questions. It's not like I'm around, so I have all the answers. No, the longer I'm around, the dumber I know I am, but I just have to ask better questions of consumers and also convince every client of the same. All we can do collectively is ask the questions, but you better ask the consumer before you make a decision because we'll always be surprised. This banquet case is a perfect one. 
um, uh, that happened to be a delightful one, but nothing that we anticipated. So, you know, re dusting off old brands, uh, launching line extensions. Um, another another point that's just sort of a pet peeve of mine is brands launch too many line extensions and too many products and a new flavor because sales says, give me a new flavor because that makes my sales meeting easy and my pitch easy to X retailer. And that's become an addiction. Um, less product, better focused more competitively priced, positioned, you're going to do better in the long run than just coming out with a flavor of the month. That's a distraction that can kill you. Wow. So we've talked about brands from the marketer's perspective, the consumer perspective, the agency perspective, yet I feel like we've only scratched the surface, yet somehow it's time to you know wrap things up. So before we conclude, is there anything you'd want to share with us or our listeners that wasn't covered in our, you know, scratching the surface conversation about brands? No, I just think a, a, uh, a learning environment is the only kind of environment to now have. If you're running a brand, if you're a CEO, CMO, what is it that you're doing to make sure that, you know, like Google, maybe they have the margin and luxury of it, but, you know, Google's point that 20% of the time is going to be off the grid of the daily work. I, I would love brands to say 20% of my budget is going to be off the grid and put into experimentation and, uh, you know, ROI attempts in new channels and new techniques. Um, the brands that are doing that, are succeeding. The brands that aren't experimenting enough aren't. So whether that's with new work, new channels, new ways to go to market, if you're not experimenting and willing to lose that 20% in the brand casino, you're not going to ultimately get the gains that you need because you need to take bets on things that make you uncomfortable. Well, it sounds like risk-taking is, um, is, is something that people have to get more and more comfortable with. You know, it's always amazing when you read yeah. things about you know, failure and failure is important, but is it really? And, you know, like what's really behind all of that? Um, but that seems to be like a recurring theme. Um, I do want to tell our listeners that Tom is a great photographer. I have noticed on Instagram that you're in definitely a, um, I guess, a black and white period or a monotone period where you're seeking value. Yeah, yeah, yeah values are yeah, great. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, I've, I actually have completed a book of black and white photography during COVID because um, I'm a street photographer. So I, I live to be out in the street and in the subways. And that's just one of my favorite, favorite things since my wife and I moved back into the city seven or eight years ago. Well, that's not happening. So I was lucky I was able to go back and go, well, I have 100,000 digital photographs. Um, let's go. Let's go in and play and was able to had an idea. Um, actually, my wife is a jeweler, and her teacher said to me in August, you know, I'm, I'm loving your work. Why don't you do a Zoom presentation to my classes? And that, just her little poke, a, a book idea came out of that called Black and White New York, and it's now, now I'm just looking for a publisher. So, Well, self-publishing, right? Self-publishing. Right. Yes. They're, they're, yeah, yes, right. Self-publishing 
yeah, self-publishing is possible. I'm I'm holding a copy of my you know the, the first copy of it. But the point is, um, if I could get a publisher interested and collaborate because I know my way around marketing, that's something I'm exploring. So, well, I have a again, art just instructor friend Tom. You'll like this. She she says you know when we're studying value that color gets the credit and value does the work. Um, so it's always about value that you're seeing behind the color. But I've loved your recent work. Um, you know, you're easy to find on Instagram, Tom Cotton, harder to find on the web because of that um, politician, that's right? Senator. Yeah. Well, that's, stole you know, your name. Because I don't, I don't care to be found on the web. I have no yeah. reason to be found on the web. So Senator Tom Cotton comes along, and I'm sure he's page one through nine billion on Google, and that is just fine for me. Somebody okay. needs to find me. They can find me on LinkedIn or Tom.Cotton on Instagram. Okay. Um, and my, my company's at TomCottonCo.com. Um, Thank you. Tom. But you guys, you guys are awesome. These are really, really fun questions. I feel like we could go for hours, but it's, it's a short podcast. Well, so. we'd, love, we'd love to have you back. You. Um, and this is Media Plus Advisors. And you can find us at MediaPlusAdvisors.com. And until our next Plus Up podcast, Carly, Susan, and I, and Tom, too, say um, thank you and goodbye. Thanks, everybody.